Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said to myself, come now, I will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But again, this was also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my mind how to cheer my body with wine, my mind still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly until I might see what was good for mortals to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and delights of the flesh and many concubines. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it, and again, all was vanity and a chasing after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thank you so much for reading that, Josh. Uh, What a great scripture passage. Happy New Year. So positive and... Uh, just, it's really starting us off right. Uh, good morning, y'all. My name is Brittany, and uh, I'm the pastor here. And um, before we get started, I just want to say thank you to David for giving his testimony. It is never easy to stand before people and offer um, witness to how God is moving in your life. And he, uh, he emailed me and volunteered uh, to say I have a testimony to give, which I love because oftentimes I email people and then I never hear back from them again. So uh, thank you, David, for that story. And just as a little connection piece, I spent um, a semester at the University of Illinois Wesley Foundation when I was doing my student teaching. I was a teacher before I was a barista, before I was a pastor. And um, And I spent a semester at the U of I Wesley Foundation. It's a great place. And further, this week I just want to share that um, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Urban Village Church is uh, launching its uh, maiden voyage into church planting uh, cohort. So we've got 12 church planters from across the country that are going to be coming 
to us over Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're going to be in Hyde Park, um, and we are teaching them how, like, what are the essential tools for starting a new faith community. Um, and then they will go back to their respective places, and once a month, um, six of them will be checking in with me, and six of them with Pastor Christian, and we'll be journeying with them over the course of this year to give them the tools that they need to create new, vibrant faith communities across the U.S. Um, and one of those people is the Wesley Foundation, Foundation Director at the University of Illinois. So it's kind of fun little connection. So pray, pray for us this week as we uh, launch into this initiative. And um, we, UVC, when it started, we, we had the audacity to believe that we would affect the greater um, Church of Jesus Christ. And um, we have been around for about seven and a half years now. And it's so exciting to see not just the effect that we're having here in the city of Chicago, but how we are transforming the church at large across the U.S. So, uh, man, is that all I want to say? I think so. Let us, uh, let us now um, start with prayer. God, you give a scripture that sometimes is a mirror, a reflection of where we are in our society. Sometimes it is a vision of where you want us to go. Sometimes it is a challenge to our status quo. Whatever the scripture, may it open our minds to a greater glimpse and vision of who you are and where you call us to be. May this scripture today illumine and point the way. May we hear you in my words, in the words of the scripture. May we have a clear a sense of where you are calling us to be and what you are calling us to do because of today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it is, uh, today's the last day of the holiday break for anybody that is in the school system. Some of us are really excited by that, and some of us are very sad by that. Um, I got to spend one of my days of holiday break at the Museum of Science and Industry, which is my all-time favorite museum in the city of Chicago. I'm sorry, I know we have people that work in other museums, and no offense for those, but Museum of Science and Industry is my favorite. And I think what it makes it really my favorite is that you can spend literally the whole day there and not have seen everything. It is just the most ginormous museum ever. Uh, one fun exhibit that we have to visit every time we go there is the Laugh Garden on the top floor. Has anybody been to the Laugh Garden? Okay, let me tell you about it. So I was going to tell you even if you had been. Uh, <laughs> So what it is, is it's, uh, it's this little area of monitors, uh, probably about a dozen monitors that have faces, of all, all sorts of faces of people on them. Each monitor has one face. And when you sort of move in front of them, they start laughing. And so the more you move, the more they start laughing. Um, and it is just this thing that brings delight and joy and a smile on your face when you either see somebody making a fool of themselves dancing in front of the laugh garden monitors or when you take a big enough risk yourself to actually dance in front of them. It, you can't help but feel happy. Um, so you guys are all going to go out there today, right? This feeling of happiness, of euphoria, of joy, it feels so good, right? I love being happy. Who loves being happy? Only half of you are raising your hand. 
let me try this again. Who loves being happy? Yes. Woo. Happy is so good. Um, I even uh, sort of said, like, you know, we always make New Year's resolutions in this time, and I even kind of made a New Year's resolution, like, I want to be happy, I want to be more positive, right? Anybody have a New Year's resolution somewhere along that line? Uh, I did this because happiness, it is, like, it's one of those things that just seems really elusive, right? Like, um, it, it, you, it's there one moment, and then it's gone, You have it, and just when you have it, it flees. And the monotony of life tends to take over. Anybody else feel like life can kind of be monotonous sometimes? So the question is then, like, where do we find happiness? How do we keep happiness? What makes for happiness? Is it money and success? Is it, uh, do we, are we just happy because of our genetics, like our genetical disposition? Does it come from practicing um, like gratitude journal or saying I'm going to be more resilient? Is it a cultural bias? Are some cultures more happy than others? Uh, Does it come when we have a balance in life of work and play? These are all like really good questions, right? I'm not going to answer one of them today uh, because you know what? There are hundreds of books about happiness. Uh, If you can put up that picture, just before Christmas, I was in a Barnes and Noble and uh, this is one of the two bookshelves of books on happiness. They even have little subcategories. I can't remember what something about your success, hap, uh, happiness, managing your success for happiness, finding happiness. This one's like building an organization of happiness or something, changing. I mean, like it's all about happiness, how to find it, where to keep, where it comes from, how to keep it. Um, there was even one book uh, that was written about the Swedes, because apparently Sweden is the happiest country in the world. Um, And so it was all of these steps that you can take to be happy. The thing is, though, I'm actually not going to tell you how to be happy, because I actually wonder, and I am asking the question, is happiness really what we're supposed to be pursuing? Is happiness really the point of life? Now, when I was younger, I can remember, uh, anybody ever play that game called Scruples? It was one of those games, it was like an adult game, and so I wanted to play it, because I thought it would, you know. And I can remember saying, like, what do you want in the future? And my answer was, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. But the problem is, it seems like when we are striving to be happy, it's like aiming at a moving target. As soon as you hit this ideal situation that that makes all the boxes check for happiness, something happens. Uh, You lose your job, or you lose the relationship that you were counting on, or your rent goes up in that perfect apartment that you had always dreamed of, and now you can no longer afford it. Happiness can shift at a moment's notice. I remember when uh, my daughter Ruby was about one year old. Uh, when you're a parent, you do silly things. And actually, when you're not a parent, you do too. Um, and anybody ever turn on music and do little mini dance parties? I can remember, yeah, see, and you're not a parent, right? Like, it's just fun. <laughs> it's kind of like dancing in front of the happy uh, garden, right? You just So we had the music turned on and... 
uh, we were dancing and laughing, the three of us, and it was this moment of pure happiness, pure euphoria. And I remember closing my eyes and thinking, all of this pain that it took to get to this moment, the years of infertility, the years of not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, and in that, or knowing what I wanted to do with my life, but the church not allowing me to do it, all of that in that moment was right. And I remember closing my eyes and saying, remember this. Remember this moment of happiness. Because it will not last. Have you ever done that before? Like, be super present to the moment and say, this is it. I am so happy right now. but knowing that that would not last. Now, y'all might be like, Pastor Brittany, it's a new year. We're supposed to be thinking positive thoughts. (laughs) Isn't the narrative ever since I said yes to Jesus, my life has been easier? (laughs) But I say... No, that's actually what life is about, right? It's moments of happiness and sorrow. It's moments of emotion. What, what accepting Jesus, what living a life of Christ is about is, is getting you through those ups and downs of life. Because our emotions are fleeting like vapor. They come and they go. This is essentially what... Um, Koheleth, the Hebrew name for the book of Ecclesiastes, and the name Koheleth is the name that we give to the writer of this book. This is essentially what he is saying. Koheleth, it means teacher, and more specifically, one who has studied and is learned and is teaching in the assembly, has dedicated their life to learning wisdom. Koheleth says, it's all vanity. It's all folly. It's all fleeting. Vanity, uh, we, we hear that word and um, it can kind of be confusing because a lot of times I think about vanity as like excessive pride, right? Like, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm good, right? Um, but vanity is also an- another way to interpret it is, is this idea that, um, that it's worthless or futile, when we look, um, we see this word vanity um, in Ecclesiastes over and over, but we also see it in other times of scripture, and it's often translated as a vaporous, as in here one minute and gone the next, as in something you can't actually hold on to. So Kohela says, I have studied, I I am rooted in the wisdom tradition. You heard him. I've had all of this. I've had everything that you could want. And it's all vanity. It's all vapor. It's all fleeting. 
Because see, popular wisdom at the time, the wisdom that he had been schooled and trained in said that the good prospered and the wicked suffered. But I would imagine you're like Koheleth and you can look around and you can see, you know what, bad things, bad things actually happen to good people. So this wisdom that we're supposed to ascribe to is baloney. And so if you keep reading through this kind of pessimistic but sort of like realistic view of the world through Ecclesiastes, he says work is vanity. We labor and we toil and we produce, but, but we end up with nothing but pain and anxiety and sleeplessness. Can I get an amen if your work does that sometimes? Success, he says, it's also vanity because it never brings the satisfaction that it promises. Can I get an amen if you've experienced that? He goes on to say that justice, and we are a church that fights for justice, so I'm, but justice is also vanity because as the moment that we achieve some sort of human justice, we can look and see that God's justice, the bigger picture, is still not accomplished. The kingdom of God is still not here. Vanity, all of it is vanity. And so at some point in the book, we hear this line, uh, if you're a Dave Matthews Band fan, you'll know it. What is it? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And so you can think, oh, it's all, mer- all, it's all vanity, so what I'm going to do is just ascribe to self-indulgence. I'm just going to try to seek pleasure for myself and be happy for myself because everything else is fleeting. But I actually don't think that, I think that's called proof texting. (laughs) I don't think that's actually what Koheleth is telling us. Because to seek just our own pleasure and happiness is really an act of meaninglessness. And it's, it's being blind to God's movement and delight in our very being. I think, and I think Koheleth would back me up on this if, if he were here, <laughs> that God desires us to find joy in life and meaning. That the cure for despair and hopelessness is joy. And now joy is different than happiness. I'm not using those interchangeably. Sometimes we use joy and happiness interchangeably. But happiness is vanity. Happiness is vapor. Happiness is a state of being that is full of comfort and ease. It comes and it goes. But joy, joy is an attitude that is rooted in the hope that our life has meaning. Joy is an attitude that is rooted in hope that God made us for something, that God made us and gave us purpose in life, that God made us and created us to be in community with one another and have a sense of belonging. This is even actually in the book of Ecclesiastes. Kohelet, um, he says this line, uh, that is often, I'm trying to look out and see if we have anybody that I've done their weddings. It's often used in weddings um, from the book of Ecclesiastes. Two is better than one, for if they fall, uh, one will lift the other up. Anybody use that in their wedding? Can't see. 
No. That's good, because we had somebody in the first service, and then it threw me off for the whole rest of the sermon. (laughs) Um, We are made for community, and we are made with purpose. Last fall, I watched a TED Talk by a woman named Emily Esafani Smith. And she, um, someone who had studied modern psychology and philosophy and neurobiology, she basically came to this same conclusion. A book written thousands of years ago, someone that does modern research, and they've come to the same conclusion. In this talk, she says that there is more to life than happiness, that when you strive for happiness, it can actually leave you feeling anxious and unfulfilled and even more unhappy. But that having meaning in life, that is to serve something beyond yourself and to develop the best within you, that is not vapor. That is not vanity. That actually gives you something to hold on to. Striving for meaning means bringing, uh, striving for meaning brings fulfillment and joy in knowing that God has made us with purpose and for community. So as Stephanie Smith actually says that meaning has four pillars. So she's categorized it as in four ways. If you can bring that slide up, the words. Um, And they are transcendence, belonging, purpose, and storytelling. So transcendence, a connection to God. And we as people of faith say that we are made in God's image. So we have a connection to God because we are made in the divine image. So a connection to God and knowing that God made us for community. Knowing that in a community, we are loved and cared for, for who we are. Not because we ascribe to a certain set of beliefs or practices, but simply because we are God's own and this community's own. So community. And that, um, and that when we belong in the a community and we use our gifts in our work and family, that's purpose, right? That we have gifts and graces and when we use them, we find purpose in that. And finally, that we have the ability to reflect on all of this and create a narrative. I love the way that David said, to know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, right? That's storytelling, this narrative. This is, y'all, this is what it means to be part of a religious community. Some people say being part of a religious community is I have to believe all of these things and then I can belong. But I say being part of a religious community is, is this. It's reminding us that we are made of God's own. It's, it's, it's a safe place to be, It is a place where we cultivate our gifts and talents and are reminded that the work we do has purpose in this world. And it gives us the ability to craft that larger narrative and see how we fit in. And I'm just gonna throw in a couple plugs here. If you, raise your hand if you've been part of a small group. Okay, Um, just as a quick plug, small groups are a really great way to find all of this. You can't just find it on Sunday mornings. I mean, 
small groups are a way for us to have a small group of people that say you are beloved. You, we are family, right? I'm trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm going on out on a limb here, Sam. Um, I had to ask somebody what I am... O meant the other day? <laughs> it's in my opinion, in case you didn't know. <laughs> they texted me IMO, and I was like, oh, great, what's that? <laughs> so, thank you, thank you. Said the 20-something-year-old, so that's good. I am way off here. Okay, so small groups are a really great way to do that, and I really invite you to, to look in your, um, even if it's just for a smart, uh, small time, it's a really great way to meet some people, um, to, to discover who you are. Um, some of the small groups, like Enneagram, I mean, that, that'll be great. Uh, prayer, to discover how to connect more fully to God. Um, so I invite you to just to prayerfully consider that over the next couple of weeks. Um, church does things like mission trips, and I just want to call out that we have a mission trip that's leaving at the end of this week for Houston to do some work. Um, and so we're thankful that people have said, my purpose is to help others when they're in need. Right? Okay, back to... So this is what a faith community does. It gives us a foundation for meaning. And that is far better than happiness. Sometimes happiness is in that, right? If it's not, let's talk. And so over the next four weeks, I want to invite you to come back week after week. We're going to dive deeper into each of these four topics. Um, and we're going to do it through the story, the life and story of Moses. I want to just set the story for Moses a little bit um, in case you're not familiar with who he is. Um, and if you want to read ahead, we're going to be primarily in the book of Exodus. I invite you to open up, start with chapter one this week. If you don't have a Bible, we have some out on the welcome tables, and I'd love for you to grab one after worship. Um, can we make sure that they're not, our welcome people, can we make sure that they're out there after worship? Um, sometimes we tear down very excitedly after worship, and we don't have the Bibles, and then I say, you can have one, and then they're not there. So, <laughs> um, so Moses. Moses was born during a time of slavery in Egypt. The slaves were plentiful, and Pharaoh, the ruler, started to become concerned that the slaves would rebel and because of their sheer number would win. So he made this rule that every newborn child, um, male, would be killed. Um, now there were these two midwives, Shipra and Pua, who, who said, that is unjust and I am not going to live by an unjust law. And so they were stealthy, and when Moses was delivered, they gave him to his mother, and his mother created a basket of leaves and pitch or tar, and put him in the basket and sent him down the Nile River. His, his sister, Miriam, kind of darted in between the bushes and kind of watched him follow, followed him along the river. And Pharaoh's daughter saw this baby floating in a basket and reached out and grabbed him from the river, which is kind of what the name Moses means, to grab from the water. And uh, she said, this baby is so cute, I'm going to raise him as my own. But he was a newborn baby, and so she decided he needed a wet nurse. 
So like every modern family, this is like a modern family right here, 2018. The adopted mother has the biological mother raise him. Right? Kind of... And then when he's kind of of age, he goes back to the palace and becomes Pharaoh's grandson. But what happens is, in this time of him being raised with the Hebrew people, he gets to a sense of community, a sense of belonging that, that the Hebrews loved him. He's told of Yahweh's great faithfulness. And, and taught the rituals of connection. He's reminded that he has purpose. He has been saved from death for something greater than himself. And all along the way, he has told story after story about this. Can you see how, like, I know we're taking this modern day lens, but can you see how it fits really well? So over this next month, we're going to be looking at Moses. And looking at storytelling and belonging and purpose and transcendence, all as a way to catch glimmers of God's grace. Because I think meaning is what we should be pursuing. Meaning is what life is about not some unsustainable feeling of happiness that comes and goes, but meaning. Because we have been created for community. We have been created to be loved and honored for who we are. We've been created for purpose with gifts and strengths to love and serve God and our neighbor. We've been created with this divine homing device called the image of God right in each and every one of us. And we have been created with the power of storytelling to understand who we are, where we have come from, and where we are going. It's how we make meaning. It's how we come to see God's dazzling light breaking forth in all that we do. So are you ready? You ready for the journey? Will you accept the invitation to see that our life has glorious potential for meaning and a little bit of happiness? Thanks be to God. Amen.